wonderful Wizard of Oz. Right, so what's an Oz? Oz, first of all, you're, that's your first hint. So Oz is an ounce. It's an ounce. So what are the, what's the ounce of? It's the ounces of gold on the Alibrick Road. So we have the Emerald City, which is the greenback or the US dollar. In the movie, Dorothy had ruby slippers. However, in the book, they were silver. Silver on gold walking towards the Emerald City. And I want you to think of that idea for a second because if you have gold and silver coming into contact with each other, you're going to hear a clack, clack, clack like money in your pocket rather than walking towards the paper currency dream off at the end of the rainbow. You're listening to Getting It Wrong to Get It Right. On this week's episode, we have a gentleman that goes by the name of Sovereign Dave. And he's going to be telling us all about the movie, The Wizard of Oz and the Yellow Brick Road. Very interesting. Let's get started. Dave, welcome to the show. The wonderful Wizard of Oz. So I think I often use this analogy with speaking to people about the the sovereignty concept. And, you know, I I think in stories, you know, we're a a group of people who love to tell stories. So I'm just going to... Shanakee. Shanakee. Oh, a lot of people will be will recall the Wizard of Oz, and you know, there's a lot of different theories about there that the Wizard of Oz is about this and it's about that. But I'm going to pretty much nail it today, I think, for people, and we're going to bring together a couple of ideas here that they probably didn't have when they were looking at it. First things first is that I, I need to point out a couple of things. Frank L. Baum, who wrote the wonderful Wizard of Oz, he was a theosophy, who was a theosophist. And he was also a, a writer for the newspapers of the day as well. And he was also into some occult stuff as well. Now, occult doesn't in and of itself mean bad. It just means hidden folks. Okay, right? So just be mindful of this. When I talk about occult, it doesn't mean bad. It means hidden, right? So ocular, right, to see. So just be, you know, you might think of the word difficult. So, you know, just think about all these words, folks. It just means that, you know, you can't see them at the moment. So Frank L. Baum, and he wrote The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. But our cultural reference point today is going to be the movie. And the movie, there was a couple of tweaks that took place. In it, and it's very, you need to look at this story as the analogy of sovereignty. It's all about sovereignty and it's all about money at the end of the day. So just to really kind of give you a top line. And I'm going to talk about the story in broad sweeps, Joe, if that's okay. So the wonderful Wizard of Oz. Right? So what's an Oz? Oh, first of all, you're, that's your first hint. So an Oz is an ounce. It's an ounce. So what are the, what's the ounce of? It's the ounces of gold on the Alibrick Road. That's the first thing, right? So we have the Emerald City, which is the greenback or the US dollar in Washington, D.C. However, here's where the story changes. In the movie, Dorothy had ruby slippers. However, in the book, they were silver. So they changed, in the, and you have to be mindful, folks, okay, that there's some pretty clued in people who are into imagery and hidden meanings. We even made the films, and a few things have changed. So in the movie, you should have had silver on gold walking towards the Emerald City. And I want you to think of that idea for a second, because if you have gold and silver coming into contact with each other, you're going to hear a clack, 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 like money in your pocket, rather than walking towards the paper currency dream off at the end of the rainbow. Okay, so that's one of your kind of first things to be mindful of here. So the Wizard of Oz, 
starts off in Kansas, doesn't it? Kansas after the Great Depression or the Dust Bowl. So we have Dorothy, who's the only sovereign person in the whole movie. Once they go into Oz, Dorothy is sovereign and she has her little doggy. Okay, Toto. What does Dorothy mean as a name? Well, if everybody goes and looks up the word Dorothy, it actually means God's gift. That's the first other hint that's in there. But there's an even better hint. Aunt Em and Uncle Henry, Aunt Emily and Uncle Henry, Auntie Emily, if you look up what the word Emily means, it means hard work or persistence. And Uncle Henry referred to Henry Ford. And then you might go, but hang on, where are, Auntie, where are Dorothy's mum and dad? And then you realise that, in fact, Aunt Em and Uncle Henry were not actually the true parents, but they were legal guardians. They were legal guardians. And if they are family members and legal guardians, what does that make them? Legal tender. Let it sit with you, folks. Legal guardians, family members, tender. So after the Great Depression, we had dirty, hard work, gift from God. Henry Ford trying to elevate the awareness of the possibilities of the country here. And we had a crash, an economic crash. And Dorothy wakes up in the wonderful land of Oz. And what's the first thing that happened? A house fell upon a witch and it fell upon, nearly fell upon the little people of the day, the munchkins. And somebody's having a little laugh again there, but maybe you didn't see it. But that's okay, because one of the two wicked witches fell. We have the wicked witch to the east and the wicked witch to the west. Some might say it's capitalism and communism, and other people say it's the financial powerhouses of the day. But regardless, there's imagery there, an allegory for you to unpack. If you recall then that Dorothy met a wonderful, she's there with her dog, Toto. So we have Dorothy, that's God's gift, in a magical land, fantasy land with her dog, Toto. And if I tell you something's the total show, what does that mean? So total, total means it's in summation, in totality. If you recall, when they're in Kansas, old lady on the bike, you know, the spinster came across. What does she want? Wanted, she wanted Toto, didn't she? She wanted she to wanted, get Toto put down. Yeah, she wanted everything. She wanted everything. Are you struggling to grow your business? Book a free business growth consultation with Joe today. In this consultation, you'll receive professional advice, step-by-step guidance that will help you achieve success best practices and tips for improving profits. Clicking on the link in the description or contacting us directly. So Dorothy wakes up in the land of Oz with one of the witches dead due to a property crash. And then they're going to reinflate the economy because of gold and silver on the way to the greenback. But again, of course, comes Glinda. Glinda, the wonderful good witch. And she says to Dorothy that you need to go on a little walk. So Dorothy goes on a little walk. But if you notice that the start of the walk, that it's actually a spiral. And if you know your sim- symbology, that actually goes back to uh, one of the images of Theosophy, okay? Right, that it's actually like kind of like the circle of life kind of situation. So Dorothy starts off on this journey on a gold road, which would have been silver shoes on a gold road as she goes towards the Emerald City. So Dorothy and her dog. Now remember, Dorothy's the only sovereign flesh and blood human being in this story, okay? Because she can think, she can talk, she can act. Okay, she's the brave one in the story. Okay, throughout the entire story, she's talking to her dog. Okay, right? She's she's finishing conversations with herself. Okay, so that's another hint there. Okay, right? She's not just a narrative piece. It's there to actually tell you something. You think you're talking, you do as you go through the story. Dorothy comes across a couple of characters. 
she comes across, what does she come across? She comes across a straw man, doesn't she? A scarecrow, right? <laughs> you see where this ah, goes? The straw man. The yes. straw man, okay? Straw man. Now, some people will tell you that that straw man refers to the farmers of the day, which it quite possibly did, but in the upgraded movie version, if you pay attention, and everybody should go back and watch this film, folks, because it is loaded with imagery. They were laughing their asses off when they were looking at when making this, folks, okay? So if you remember that the straw man used to say, uh, you know, I could while away the hours consulting with the flowers and English uh, talk with the rain. Do, 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 do. And then Dorothy kicked in with the thoughts that you think that you're thinking you could be another Lincoln if you only had a brain. Now, what did Lincoln do? Lincoln brought in the greenback, which was currency, which was not backed by the Federal Reserve of the day. OK, it was government backed money. It was honest money. OK, so the straw man doesn't have a brain. Okay, he's a fictional entity, dead entity, and he is there to represent either the farmers, or I'm going to suggest you there's a higher esoteric version here, meaning as well. Okay, and that's a legal fiction entity that is okay, your straw man that we have today. Okay, so just hold that idea in your head for a second. Dorothy then later on travels through the woods and she happens to come across a tin man, if you recall the tin man who was previously a woodcutter. But the problem is that the Tin Man is all seized up in the wood. And this is all for context of the story here, what it's all about. Tin Man can't speak. Help me. And he's looking to get oil. Oil, the lubricant of the economy. First thing was done was the oil was put into his mouth so he could actually speak. In the story, it transpires that the witch actually put a spell on the woodsman, okay, and actually put a curse in his axe. So every time the woodman actually use his axe, if I remember correctly, you either cut his hand off and had to replace it with metal or turn it into metal. So the allegory is, is that the workers of the day, under the spell of capitalism, essentially, harm themselves, funded by oil, and essentially corporatized themselves. Now, this gets even more delicious and juicy in a second, because the tin man, if you actually look up what tin stands for in the US, it's actually a taxpayer identification number. And if you look that up, a tin is there, right? So you have a tin number, taxpayer identification number. So you now have Dorothy, the sovereign flesh and blood being, with Toto, okay, who represents everything, walking along gold and silver road, going towards the greenback US currency, right? Fiat currency, comes across a dead fiction entity, comes across a working persona of himself, okay? And what does he need? He needs a heart. So now we have Dorothy is still sovereign, meets the tin man, they align together, they carry on a little bit further, and then what happens? They come across a line. Some people are going to tell you that the line represents McKinley or William Bryan Jennings, who were politicians of the day. I'm going to suggest to you it's different, okay? Because these people are laughing up their sleeves all their time with you when they give you these false narratives, right? If you think of the royal crest of arms, there's two beasts on top of it. One is a unicorn, and the other one is a line. One is mythical, and the other one represents courage. So what happens then? The line is all brave and all bluster until he gets challenged by Dorothy, and then he becomes a coward. Grouping represents those that take a role where, that they actually would suggest that they're going to protect you, right? So these people are the enforcers, right? So remember, Dorothy's servant, straw man, working identity, and now you've got the enforcing classes that come towards you, okay? Cowardly line. 
I'm going to challenge what do they want? They want courage. Hold this idea in your head for a second. So holding. even if, it, okay, holding, holding. So now they all want to meet the wizard because of the wonderful things he does. Okay, so they're building it up, building it up, building it up all the time. And then they arrive at a field of poppies and they all fall asleep. And nobody can quite figure out why this field of poppies was in the story. But if you watch the film, folks, it's there because Glinda, the good witch, happens to drop some snow on the poppies and they all get back up again. It's a little bit of magic. That was relating to the drugs of the time, which was heroin and cocaine. Opium and cocaine that were legal at the time. So that was, remember, you're in the magical land of Oz, okay, where the workers were all happy. And this is how they kind of trick you, all right? It's either by chance. It's a lot of chances, a lot of coincidences here. But bear in mind, we are still traveling towards the Emerald City. And we know there's a witch, don't we? Okay, so the first witch died. How, Joe? What happened to her? The house fell on her. Yeah, so that was a property crash. Mm-hmm. The second one was the water. Yeah, what, what do you think that was? Liquidation. <laughs> you know, I'm melting. So the whole thing was, was a financial allegory, right? So she's melting. The liquidation. And then they proceed on towards the Emerald City. Okay, but when they get there, they actually need glasses because in the book, the city's so bright, right? They actually need to wear glasses, okay? Blinded by the money, okay? Now, where this gets interesting is when they get in the film to the Emerald City, they get taken on a horse, okay? If you remember this horse, the horse was changing color all the time. And if I say to you something is a horse of a different color, what's that mean? Something different than what it is. Now you have it. So there's a lot of imagery, and I'm probably even forgetting most of the really important stuff. They get brought through the Emerald City on a horse of a different color. They then get to go and meet the great and mighty Oz, the powerful Wizard of Oz. And it's all an illusion. It's all a charlatan's trick. Because what happens? They're all terrified. What does Toto do? Toto pulls back the curtain. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. And who's the people behind the curtain? Well, this is actually the ruling classes that are trying to distract everybody to their smoke and mirror show of fiat currency and just daily distractions and theater and pantomime. And then, after Dorothy challenges the wizard, the so-called wizard, who was just transparent, who was actually just a touring kind of, you know, bunker man, basically, they then actually say to him, okay, well, can you bring me back, okay, bring me back to Kansas? She wants to go back to Kansas, doesn't she? There's no place like home, right? (laughs) And she gets told, you know, the wizard then offers to bring her back in the hot air balloon. Now, what does the hot air balloon... Inflation. Bingo. So Laura Doherty, remember, she's the only sovereign person in that story, Joe. Toto, the dog, at that precise moment, runs off, and I think he chases after a cat. Doherty chooses to get out of the hot air balloon to save her dog. Doherty has a choice. She always has a choice throughout that entire story. She was given choices. When she gets the hot air balloon, her dog runs off. She can go to the magic of inflation with the magician. Or she can go with everybody in totality, get, get her dog, okay, and we all do it together. So Dorothy elects to leave the hot air balloon, to leave the magician's pair of inflation behind her and go get her dog. And then Glinda, the good witch, comes back and says, Dorothy had the pair all along. Click your heels together three times. And that doesn't make sense with ruby slippers, but it makes sense with silver shoes. 
that she had real money all along, okay? That she didn't need the gold standard, that she didn't need the greenback. She actually, through hard work, her own ingenuity, and looking after a fellow man and woman, and forgetting all these legal constructs, she would actually have the power herself to rebuild herself, away from all these charlatans. So there's a lot of other bits and pieces to the whole narrative. But for me, when I saw that horse of a different colour, I went, bingo, makes sense now. So there you go. That's that's part of the story. I will look at it. If it's on Netflix, think of all the people that will start watching it today. They're tuning in. Yeah, I never, never put it that way. And there's lots of other movies like that as well out there. Are they, are they movies that are telling us laughing at us or are they movies just telling people what it is? They have to tell people. Look, it's like us, Joe. We can have a joke and we can educate people at the same time. They're looking at this from different levels. Their, their attitude is, look, we'll tell them, but we'll stinger up our sleeves a little bit at them as well, you know? And it's just this duality of people. They can't get their get get their head around it. But they do have to tell people. I always say that. They do have to legally tell people. And that's it. What I think people really need to, to sort of get their head around as well is that what all the stuff that's going on in the world at the moment, they have to tell us. Yes. You know, for this to happen, they have to tell and then it can be implemented if no one objects or no one screams. Mm. How they tell us is up to them. You know, they may come out on TV and say something using magic words, which you interpret something totally different to what they interpret or what they're planning. Um, I use the example that if there's an accident, you know, a policeman will ask all the witnesses Mm. and then they will build a story because each witness will give a different story of how they seen it in their mind. And they'll all probably be different. And that's why so many people are asked. And it's always asked in layman's language as well. Mm. So, you know, the, the rulers will tell us what's going on. They may put something in print, which is in the, you know, the subpage of the subpage of the subpage of the subpage in the back of a website, which you didn't choose to look that far. They also, the constitution, you know, they might make it, want to make an amendment to it or they want to bring out a new rule. So what they'll do is they say, we have this act or we have this you know, regulation and they tell you what it's in it. And then they have, but there could be 22 points in this. And in these 22 points, there might be something in there that is totally not for you or for the citizens or, you know, or the sovereign people, I should say, of this land. And when it happens, they go, well, we told you, you didn't bother to look, didn't bother to look. So we need to be the safe keepers. We need to be the gatekeepers, I should say. Yes. And look and look. And not everybody can look at everything. I think certain groups or certain individuals need to pick certain things and look at that. Because if one person was to look at everything, it'd go insane, as we have. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> several times over now at this stage. Yeah, several times over. Yeah. And I'm meeting more and more people. Um, I'm connecting with more and more sovereign people who understand what sovereignty is and mm-hmm. understand what state is. 
And there was one guy says, yeah, he was listening, they're listening to stuff, you know, and educating himself over mm. the last year. And there was one stage he was going, oh my God, how am I going to tell my wife this? And there was that case of madness, complete madness. Okay, it's going to be fine. But mm. I think everyone's going to go through this roller coaster of, oh my God. And I think that's the, uh, an awakening that, that we need to need to have on it. PLC, the fake PLC. As the I, fake PLC, the fake yeah. PLC. And as Wizard of Oz was showing us that it's all about being sovereign, it, PLC, like, I think people really need to realize that Ireland PLC and every country is a PLC. It's a corporation. Yep. And we, and everything that they have, it, have everything, they have pillaged it, they have taken it. But what they don't have is their sovereignty, everything that comes with it. But they're frightened to tell us that because when people find that out, we've no debt, we've nothing. We owe nothing to nobody. I think the first thing that people need to know as well, I'll let you jump in now in a minute, Dave. People need to know is carry your passport with you all the time. And when you carry that passport with you, that is your sovereign identity. Would it be right around with that? Yeah, very right with that, Joe. I might just put in, I'm personally, depending yeah, on my yeah. mood, I might just say I'm a sovereign Irish national and I might yeah. just ask them, have you got jurisdiction? Most people will end up getting themselves into trouble from what they're saying, right? Two ears, one mouth. Shut up and listen. <laughs> yeah. And um, we're talking here because we want to talk. But if somebody's looking for something from me and their intent is not good, well, I'm not going to give it to them. <laughs> you know, they still need my consent to, to actualize something and give them something over, you know. And that's that's very important that people realize that. You know, your passport, yes, it's 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 the interface between the systems. And that, that word passport comes from passport to call us. So, you know, it was a way to get past the castle gates. As we said, and I think it was the last one on one of the other shows, the Foreign Office produced them. And that's what we mm. wanted people to think about as well. And look at licenses. You know, and under this PLC, everything is regulated. And this one I'm going to ask you, I'm going to throw this, throw this to you now, okay? You know, with everything is, is regulated, regulated by, regulated by this, you know, but license, everyone needs a license to trade in this country, okay? So I'm going to ask you to explain to us where, why they need a license where the license came from, why we don't have a license, and why stuff is regulated. Do we... I understand, but I need to kind of talk about it in a roundabout way first, okay? Perfect. Did you know, Joe, that marrying your wife was against the law? Did not know. Did, Did you know owning a dog was against the law? No, I did not know. Okay, well, congratulations. It's not really, okay? But in their system, it's a total inversion of everything that's good and right, okay? And for you to enter their system, you need permission. You need them to say, hey, it's okay to be married. Hey, it's okay to have a dog. Hey, it's okay to own something, <laughs> right? In their system. So why do they? how do they turn a right into a privilege, right? How do they turn a sovereign right into a privilege? Well, they grant licenses. But you see, here's the thing, here's the thing. 
they were never conferred that right from the people knowingly. So when you apply for a license, it's actually you giving yourself permission. If they have you in a double mind, you think you're actually applying to a higher authority, but that higher authority is in fact yourself. You're going in as a as a lower level company employee, presuming that you need to get that permission from somebody else. And the only reason that you really think that is because other people around you appear to be doing the same thing as well. So we've accepted this as a kind of a social norm. I'm not saying to you that we don't need standards. I'm not saying to you that we don't need some level of minimum practice, okay? But that is well covered under historical law, about food being fit for purpose, about being honourable when you're in transactions. You don't need legislation for that, folks. You know, even look back at history, we had guilds for that kind of stuff. If you wanted expertise, you went to the guild. And that's how it works. (laughs) Now we have free market enterprise, which isn't really free because now it's everything is the guild. So the guild has changed. It's morphed into the legal structure that you presume is actually giving you all these licenses and privileges and benefits. When you mention the fact that we don't have licenses, the only person give that license to yourself is yourself. Just be mindful about that, okay? You can give yourself permission to do something. That's fundamentally what it is. Just make a decision and go with it. Once it isn't causing harm, loss, or injury. Now, why is this important? Remember that the only, in their system, something has to be honourable. It has to be honourable, even if it's not right. It has to be honourable, and it has to be accounted for. Okay, so there has to be like a check and a balance in their system. So with their idea of a corporation, okay, you know, giving out licenses, that can only give out permission to another entity. So that license is being given from a dead corporation to another dead corporation, which is the straw man we can get into another day. But really where I'm going with this is as follows. In Ireland, we have a very, very unique situation that all the regulatory bodies, okay, have been issued a faulty license and nobody is asking about the nature of those licenses. The only licenses that actually can be issued which are legal, stroke lawful, valid, and bona fides, are the 32 county error licenses that were initiated on the 21st of January 1919. And that's from a self-determination Irish perspective. And the reason those licenses are so important, this is the key. If anybody's losing their house, if anybody's their dwelling, the primary dwelling, not investment properties, talk about your home. Because if you lose your home, you become a burden on other people, right? So I don't think anybody's got an issue with somebody keeping their dwelling, right? Because you need to keep, if you don't have protection, you're paying for it, right? Okay. So, you know, I want everybody to have a dwelling, okay? But people are getting evicted by entities that don't have a license to operate in this state. People are being told what to do by entities that don't have a license to operate in this state. And what's the name of the state? The only state that was founded here was on the 21st of January, 1919. 32 county election, they realized at the time, they realized this at the time that corporations, because of the profit motive, could have the potential to run over the people's needs. And they needed a way to keep corporations and entities, dead entities, made up of people. Okay. How could they keep them under control? Okay. Like, even I'll give you an example, like Nehefit, right? Okay. Right. How could you keep them under control? Where is their license to operate? How, how can I keep them accountable as a body? 
The only way to keep these bodies accountable is two-pronged. One, the people are accountable in it, okay? The individuals are accountable for their actions, but also the dead entity, the paper entity is accountable as well. So it's like a train track. People are accountable for their actions and the body is accountable as well under license. Because if they are breaking the law in legal land, you can rescind their license. And that's exactly what was set up in 1919. So Ireland was way ahead of the rest of the world. So all these corporations, just let me finish this up, all these corporations that are running riot at the moment, destroying the planet for profit motive, if this idea spreads, and it can spread, because it, the, these corporations don't have the same rights flesh and blood people have, if this idea spreads that we can rescind these corporations' licenses if they're not working for the benefit of the living people, that's a game changer. We can still have corporations, but we have a way to hold them to account. And it's really important that people understand this. And this is the situation in Ireland to this day. We have this right. And you go into a bank, the banks don't have licenses. They're regulated by the central bank. But the central bank doesn't have a license to trade either. So this okay. is the problem. People listen to this. Okay, so all this was created. License for the good of the people. And the license can be taken away if it's not doing the good for the people. was created in 1919. Yes? Yes. Now, this is where people will, will try and get, get their heads around. 1919, as we know, then there was a civil war. Okay. Mm. Uh, and then you had the new constitution, which, uh, 1922 and then 1929. Correct? Yeah. So, sorry, 1922, 1937, and no, people say some funny, sorry, 19, funny sorry. stuff happened in 47 as well. 40, yeah? Sorry, 19, 1937, right? Yeah. So if those new, those new constitutions, right, do they still carry, this is what people are going to ask, do they still carry the license in them from the 1919 constitution? No, because what happened was, and I can, we can share this video with people, that De Valera maintained at the time that he had the mandate from the first Doyle and he used that. He had a duality about him. He used that mandate from the first Doyle to say that, you know, oh, the, the, the oath to the crown doesn't matter, okay? And he was fudging, basically. Essentially, what happened was De Valera said, okay, this, this matters, but it doesn't matter. Let's play the game here. But what happened was, anyway, was that the kind of the fish rots from the head a little bit, and it all this only carries the weight of law if the people consent it. All right. So you know, like there's still how do I say this? There's still a fudge taking place to this day. Yeah, we okay. we know there's a fudge, and the reason we know the fudge is there is because if you mention and persist to mention the license route. Mm. Yeah. It causes panic. Yes. Okay. Or causes people to raise their head. Asking a, a judge, does he have a license here to to practice? And that can that can rattle a couple of feathers as well. So what I'm trying to get to people is to really to get them to understand is that yes, they need licenses. It's it's still sitting there in the back of the constitution. It's not shown in plain sight. Mm -hmm. 
but they, the PLC Corporation, which we are all under, know this. Yeah, it's a permit, really, in a sense. You know, it's like a parking permit, Joe. If you just think of like think of it like that, you know, okay, you know, like it. They don't have the authority to really give out a license as such, which is why all the licenses that you do see don't have the word "era" directly underneath the Harp logo. Yeah. So they, they they can't give out a proper bona fides license. They can give out a nice graphic and a couple of words on the side, but it wouldn't stand up to scrutiny. Okay, right. So you remember, a license has to have you know has to have some form of signature on it to give it authority, because we're talking about sovereign beings. They can only actually generate a printout that might sit up on a wall, and I might say license, but it's not a license. I'm telling you, it's not a license. You know, I spoke to other other people, sovereign people who you know, on this subject. And, and they say to me, they do not have licenses to trade here. And, and the reason is they have, they don't have a sovereign license. Let's be clear that they don't have a sovereign license. They have a corporation license, but they don't have a sovereign license. Mm. And when I've asked people about the land, you know, they say some housing estates out there, they, people have bought the house, but they don't own the land. The land is probably still, under the duke of somewhere would probably still own the land and looking at at it that you know this land registry goes back to the to the chieftains but it even goes further you have to even go further back past the chieftains Mm. to know that every the land is owned and people go well you know the duke of such and such might own this land not as an heir of sovereign Era sovereign, and that's what happened in 1916. Clear all that, and to basically say, air land and everything is owned by the people, but all the natural resources were owned by the people as well. But in World War Two, De Valera thought of you know just in case, decided to take all this from the sovereign people, so the state could have all these natural resources as well. And there's a that's another element that uh, people have to realize that that was just him making that decision, but they are actually owned by the people. Yeah, there's, 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 there's no statute of limitations on what's right and what's lawful, you know? Like, it's just really important that people are, are mindful of this, you know? Like, but if you go back, right, If you, you, yeah, you can go back, right, to, to those people, but, like, they might have a legal claim in it, but they don't have a lawful claim in it, okay, right? So when the 32 counties, like if you come, if you can come up to me with a better straw poll than 32 counties coming together, right, and having a vote and a landslide victory coming out and then saying, look, the land of Ireland belongs to the people of Ireland and to them alone, right? That's the best deal you're going to get all day, folks. You know, sorry. But Uh, but you're seeing it here, you know, where they do under this fake corporation like they'll, they'll run a referendum and everyone will go no when they go ah oh, we're going to run another one till you get say yes and mm. we're going, if you don't say yes we're going to run another one till you say yes you know what people have to what's going on at the moment at this very moment we're in june july time is people have to remember consent participate human rights are the three things that people have to remember. All this stuff that's going on, that's, oh my God, they're doing this, they're doing that. You have rights. You have human rights. And, you know, there is stuff changing as well. And the cards are falling. The cards are falling. 
and you have to be brave. You have yeah, to be yeah. brave. Yeah. And just to, if I tell you something's got the hue of something, Joe, what does that mean? It's got the color of something. Mm-hmm. So it's audible. It's what you hear. Okay. So if I go there and I say, I have hue, man rights, I've got the color of man rights. It's all about your sovereign rights, folks. Okay. Sovereignty is the king, folks. Okay. It's the linchpin. And I was talking about it. That's what I said. Oh, we've lost financial sovereignty. Oh, we'll leave behind these dated ideas of sovereignty from that's Michal Martin. You know, they like they want it to be old. Sovereignty. Yeah. yeah, you know, sovereign debt. Sovereign can't have debt, folks. Sovereign can't have debt. At every opportunity, the only time you hear that word is to sully it. Okay. That's the only time you ever hear it. And you heard about sovereign debt and sovereign bonds and everything else. Sovereign bonds, folks, where your birth certs being used without your permission to pay off Europe's banking debt. So to, to sorry, to refinance, because you can't pay a debt with a debt, folks, to refinance Europe banking debt, okay? And then they talk about sovereign airspace and all these wonderful words, but they will not ever explain to you what that term really means in this country. And look at the only example that you can think of when listening to me talk about the word sovereign, you're going to think of a lady across the road over in the UK called Elizabeth, who lives in a castle, is pretty well to do, but that is pageantry. That's royalty, folks. It's pageantry. It's not sovereignty, although she knows how to be sovereign. She writes letters. She gives instructions. She doesn't have a license plate. She doesn't ask permission of people. She acts and people listen. Doesn't make her a bad person. She knows her mind. But what's the difference below her? She's decided that everybody else is subject below. Okay, like object, but subject to her. So either you are going to be a subject to somebody else or you're going to be serving yourself. And you're going to know your mind, your think, your talk, and your do, and you're going to take action accordingly. And if you need to get clarification what somebody wants from something or where you need to write something or what it means, that's your God-given right. You can ask questions all day, and I'd suggest you do. You get a lot of fantastic answers. And if you don't get an answer, that's still an answer. Really important people realize that. We'll just leave it on one note. These people are civil servants. They work for you. All the political advisors, this Nepta, Tony Hooley, Hooley Gooley and his gang, they work for you. You know, you, you don't work for them. You do not participate and do not consent. That's what you need, the message. They are not... They are not my advisors. They are not my advisors. We will leave it there. We will leave, leave it there. there for today. Leave it there. Thanks, Dave. Thanks. Thanks, I, Joe. I will go and watch Wizard of Oz and take my little notepad and go. Woo-hoo. And also, just for everyone as well, I think everyone should start just focusing on themselves and their family, the family unit. And as I said, we're going to, we're going to be, you know, we, one of these every week as we keep telling people, but you know, people that are jumping on the site and you'll see the link in, you'll see the link here in, in, in the, on the page where people can jump on and uh, we're connecting, we're connecting the dots. We're connecting the dots. Until next week, guys. Super. God bless. Be sovereign and take care.